From VT Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, the COVID-19 case rate in Vermont has nearly doubled since its previous peak last winter, while hospitalizations and deaths have remained elevated for nearly four months. In response, calls for the state to institute stronger mitigation measures have intensified, but Governor Phil Scott has repeatedly said he doesn't believe any statewide measures are called for, and that instituting them now would be an abuse of his authority. Now, the Vermont legislature plans to reconvene for a special session to pass a law that would allow cities and towns to institute local mask mandates. Scott, a Republican, has called this a compromise, but Democratic leaders have said it's a disappointing one. Instead, they've advocated for a statewide mask mandate that would kick in during times, like right now, when transmission in the state is high. Hi, how are you? Good. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, how about you? Can you hear me well? Yeah, that sounds great. On Wednesday, I reached out to Dr. Julia Raifman. She's an assistant professor at the Boston University School of Public Health, who's written extensively about this type of data-driven mask policy. Throughout the pandemic, Julia has maintained a database of state-level COVID-19 policies to track how different measures are affecting outcomes in different states. And I asked her, after a year and a half of studying this, what do we know about what works and what doesn't? I'm glad you asked that question because I think we, we can lose track of some of the most important things that we've learned. I think people can think of public health as all about lockdowns. And actually, we really don't like lockdowns either. <laughs> um, but one of the greatest benefits of learning more about COVID and how it spreads is that we can avoid lockdowns. So what we know is that COVID spreads through shared air. And so COVID spreads efficiently when many people share air indoors and crowded indoor spaces like schools, churches and synagogues and places of worship, grocery stores, as well as like things like gyms. Hmm. So knowing that the crowded indoor spaces are most likely to have spread of COVID, we can take steps to reduce COVID in the air in those places so that we can still go to them more safely. So one policy that we think is is a good consideration during surges is a data-driven mask policy where people wear masks when and where it's most important. And so it's most important during a surge when there's high transmission. It's most important in crowded indoor settings like those I just mentioned. And it's most important indoors relative to outdoors. And so what we suggest is that people wear masks and surges in those spaces to clear the air of COVID, which is not something that any individual can do on their own. Mask policies are really about acting together so that if any one person in the room has COVID, it doesn't spread to several other people in the room. You've written about this kind of data-driven mask policy a number of times and identified Nevada as the state that's doing that and, and seems to be doing it well. And that's even entered into the conversation here in Vermont. I know our Democratic leaders have really used that as a model and said, this is something that we really want to replicate here in Vermont, but the, the governor so far has restricted. I wonder, when it comes to this policy that you've written about in Nevada, what's so great about this specific approach? Yeah, I, it's a really good idea that comes from Nevada. What I'm doing is just communicating about what they've done That is that is a smart, longer-term strategy for addressing the pandemic and reducing surges. So what they do is the state has counties track their transmission. And when county transmission meets the CDC threshold for being substantial or high, then the county has a mass order in place. And if the county transmission goes to low or moderate levels for two weeks or more, 
then the mask policy turns off. And I think that's a really nice approach because it lets everybody know that they don't need to mask forever. Hmm. It sets out a very rational strategy for when people do and don't mask. You know, and I think that that makes everybody have a good understanding of, of why they're doing what they're doing and when it will end. And so far, it's very hard to say without, you know, a formal analysis, but all the formal analyses we do have that are very good analyses indicate that mask policies are associated with reduced spread. And we have seen a flatter curve in Nevada than in several other states. You know, and I also think we don't see <laughs> we don't see major revolts happening in the state. Hmm. You know, I think it's a nice policy because you only have to implement it one time and then it protects you against the unpredictable elements of the virus. It's very hard to predict when and where and why the virus will surge. But at this point, we can have a good sense that there will likely will be more surges. And data-driven mask policies are a smart approach to reducing the impact of surges on top of vaccines. I want to ask about something you said about the effect that you've seen in Nevada. So you you described that as a, a flatter curve than we've seen in other places. And so is that kind of the goal here is that, you know, we're we're not saying that this is going to bring case numbers down to zero, but it probably is going to kind of keep from having these really dramatic spikes that we've been seeing. Yeah, I think it has a couple of purposes. It is to kind of at the population level, reduce the surges. The surges are really harmful to everybody in a community that's experiencing them and to hospitals and healthcare workers who've been working so hard to support our communities throughout the pandemic. So it does reduce the harms of surges. It also, it makes it possible for people to continue going out in the world without having very, very high rates of COVID transmission be a major concern for them. Because if people know that there's a a really good chance that people around them in a shared indoor space have COVID and are not wearing a mask, then many people won't feel safe going into small businesses and into grocery stores and into schools, into workplaces. And, you know, I think it's just a a way of having a good standard of living in pandemic times. One thing that has come up in recent weeks, and we pointed this out in our reporting, and even our governor pointed this out at a press conference this week, is that the lack of statewide mandates and statewide policies right now, which the governor has taken a bit of heat for, isn't unique to Vermont. That nationally, there are very few governors who are taking those kinds of steps to put statewide mandates in place. And as somebody who has looked at this from a a state-to-state basis for a while, I wonder, why do you think that is? Why is there so much reluctance on the part of state leaders to take those kinds of steps? You know, I think, I don't think that that's an example that Vermont wants follow, there have been more than 160,000 people who have died during the Delta surges at at different times in different states. And there have been record rates of deaths among young people. And so, you know, I think it's ideal to learn from those other states that that's that's something to avoid during this surge and any future surges. You know, I, I think it was good to see Vermont be such a leader in delivering vaccines. But I think when we have updated information to learn that that's not enough, that it's important to continue to protect people with additional policies when it becomes clear that not doing so can can lead to a lot of sickness and death and disruption to people's lives. So I think I wouldn't point to those other states as something to follow. (laughs) 
there are seven states and uh, the District of Columbia that did have policies during the Delta surge. And I hope we'll soon see evidence about, you know, evaluating how those mask policies during the surge affected transmission. But right now we have so much evidence. We have lab evidence and we have really rigorous policy analyses and we have a randomized trial all indicating that masks are associated with reduced transmission. And so I think that is really important to consider in Vermont and other states on top of vaccines when it becomes clear that that there can still be a surge. The other thing that we have heard a bit more about in recent weeks from these policymakers who are declining to put new measures in place is a skepticism about the effectiveness of mandating masks, not necessarily saying that masks themselves don't work, but that putting a mandate in place might not bring about the compliance that would make such a policy effective. You know, and they've referenced things like pandemic fatigue and, you know, the social science behind how people do and don't comply to measures like this. And I wonder what do you make of that argument and and what evidence is out there on how people will or will not adapt their behavior to these types of rules? We can see in the data from the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation that mask wearing is much higher in states that do have mask policies than in states that don't have mask policies. You know, and I think that there are a few potential mechanisms for that. And certainly it's it's worth formal evaluations to better understand. But I think for one, people want to follow the rules when a state or a business has, has a rule, then they want to respect that. So people put on a mask for that reason. Two, I think when people see other people wearing masks, then they want to do so in concert. You know, that signals that it's important to do so. So I think that helps people wear masks to protect each other. Third, I actually think it supports people who might be considering wearing masks, but not be sure about whether to wear it or feel a little bit self-conscious about wearing it. If you're required to wear it, then it might be a little bit easier to wear it just because you say, well, you know, I, I was tempted to, and there's a policy saying I should. So, you know, I don't have to feel like the odd one out for wearing a mask. So, you know, I think we have more to understand about this, but to the extent that we can see in the data, uh, there's a lot more mask wearing with mask policies. I was really surprised to see the May change in the CDC's mask policy guidance. And so really since seeing that decision, I've I've been doing a lot of work to just try to communicate what the evidence we have shows. And I think the, the lab studies and the logic are also one of the most compelling studies to share, which is the CDC, when they had well-fitted masks on dummies, they found that their reduction in inhaled aerosols was about 95%. Hmm. You know, when you bring that to scale and you have 25 or 50 people in a room or hundreds of people filtering through a shared indoor space in a day, it really shows you that having a mask on the other people reduces the amount of COVID in the air, if anybody has COVID, and reduces the amount of COVID that other people and you inhale if there is COVID in the air. Got it. You know, you mentioned back in May when the CDC changed their guidance. I think you were referring to when they said essentially that vaccinated people don't have to wear masks in public anymore. And I wonder, you know, again, looking at the national picture here, where we're now in this situation where the vast majority of states are seeming really reluctant to put any new measures in place. 
What has the role of the federal government been here? You know, it, it seems like what we're hearing from our governor is actually pretty similar to what we're hearing from Dr. Fauci from the Biden White House. What kind of a role does the the federal messaging play? Um, federal messaging plays a very, very important role. And we really saw that with states. Whenever the federal government made a recommendation, we saw state policies change quickly in response to those recommendations. And that included the May guidance that there was no longer a need for mass policies for everybody. And in thinking about federal communications, I often come back to the core principles of disaster response, which we've had pretty well established for decades. And what those principles say is that you should communicate clearly and simply and often. You should be right. You should be transparent. You should be accountable. You should be action-oriented. And you should message the importance of coming together to overcome the adversity. And so I think that would be a really helpful direction for all leaders to take in this time. We have seen the CDC director mentioning masks more frequently recently. I think the CDC director has made clear that she thinks more from an individual perspective than from a policy perspective. You know, and I think in a pandemic, it will require coordinated action from everybody which policies help us do uh, to overcome the virus. I really think it's important that people recognize that we're all on the same team, whether or not we're vaccinated, whether or not we're old or young, whether or not we're an essential worker or able to work from home. Everybody's on the same team against the virus and reducing the virus, it benefits all of us. And so I think those key principles can guide us and, and hopefully the policy perspective can help us think about how to come together and formalize how we come together to address the virus. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because that that is really, you know, the language that you're talking about from the CDC director is, again, a lot of the same language that we've been hearing from our governor, where there's a focus on personal responsibility, on individual decision making. One thing that our governor has said in his defense is that, you know, there's a concern that putting mandates in place will cause people some people who are on the fence to really dig in their heels even further and that this will will actually kind of harden that for them and that that could ultimately be damaging. And I wonder, what do you think of that argument? You know, I think the fear of backlash actually can take us away from the big picture. And the big picture is that actually like when we have vaccine mandates, we see most people get vaccinated and that really helps them. And when we have mask policies, we see that most people wear masks and that really helps everybody. Hmm. I think also, as we think about policies, you know, we should think about them as an explicit trade-off. So do we want to have vaccine mandates or do we want to have widespread illness <laughs> and more deaths of parents? Do we want to have mass policies during surges or do we want to have to stay home during surges because it's not safe and really put the health and lives of people who can't stay home at risk? These are some of the trade-offs we should make explicit in these policy decisions. And, and I think that conveys, you know, it's probably worth it to temporarily mask to help us all make it through a surge or help more of us make it through a surge. I don't think that just waiting for the virus to go away is better than reducing the amount of virus that happens during the surge to better protect everybody. Got it. So we're about to enter into this new phase uh, of the debate in Vermont over mask mandates. The governor is allowing our legislature to come back into session, but only to pass a law that would allow individual towns 
to pass their own mask mandates if they choose. And so there's a likelihood that we could, in a matter of weeks, have sort of a patchwork of local mask mandates across the state. And that's been sort of framed as a political compromise. You know, neither side is saying that they want this exact policy for public health reasons. I wonder how an in-between strategy like that strikes you. Um, I think that puts a lot of pressure on local leaders who may want to do the right thing, but are typically not in charge of coordinating the health of a state. And there's so much travel between different counties and municipalities. And, you know, I think the state has a lot more capacity to implement and manage a coordinated policy response as well as to adapt to changes, right? Like, for instance, in the state of Nevada, the state does a press release when counties turn on or off their mask policies and helps provide businesses with materials to communicate what the relevant policy is at the time. You know, and I I think that kind of state support is really important, as well as preventing really fierce local debates over whether or not to have a mask policy and when, you know, I think a coordinated response makes a lot of sense and we even see some some states where there are not mass policies. We see like several Bay Area counties in San Francisco coordinating with each other to establish standards for when they turn mass policies on and off because they know that what happens in one area affects what happens in, in a neighboring area and they want to protect each other. And so the most efficient and equitable way to do that is to do it at the state level. Here in Massachusetts, unfortunately, we also do not have a state mask policy. And so we saw that, for instance, like the Worcester area did not have a mask policy in place until their hospital was already overfilled. Hmm. I think we can expect this to happen again and again with the virus. Certainly, we hope we learn more and and better treatments and learning more about vaccinations and how frequently we need to deliver them will reduce the harms of surges. But I think we've seen enough of COVID to know that they are harmful. And so a coordinated approach is not only important for this surge, it will help in this surge. It will also help in any future surges. I, I want to jump back real quick to on the subject of this sort of town level policy. I think one thing that our legislature is going to have to reckon with is, given what you said about sort of a coordinated response, that doesn't seem to be on the table right now. And so, you know, I think one of the questions that's going to be before them is, would a sort of patchwork policy like this that does put a lot of pressure on these local officials, would that be better than nothing? Or would that be potentially harmful to set in motion? I I think it is better than nothing because it reduces the harms of the search. You know, I think that counties could consider an approach similar to the Bay Area so that they coordinate with one another to establish a common standard. But that the easiest way to do that and the most sensible way to do that is for the governor and the state to lead that coordination. Hmm. The state has a, a lot more funding and capacity and leadership capacity than there is at the local level. And so, you know, really it's their responsibility to manage the pandemic and support the health and lives and economy for people across the state and not leave it up to how vehemently the extremes (laughs) voice their opinions. This is another thing that there's not a lot of consensus about, which is what the next few months might look like nationally, really, with the pandemic. You know, this moment that we're in right now, it seems like we came down from the initial Delta surge, but we're starting to see 
increases nationally again. And I wonder just as somebody who's watching this closely, what are your predictions for the next few months? What do you think we're going to see as the numbers play out? You know, I think one important lesson for us in public health to learn is to have humility about what the virus will do next and knowing <laughs> know enough to know I don't know, but I also like what, what the trajectory is from here and, and like to have humility, but I can see that it's not ending. I think that's important. You know, we see an uptick nationally. We know that it's winter and there may be seasonality and we know that people come into crowded indoor settings more often during the colder months. All of that suggests to me that we may, you know, it seems likely we see an uptick in spread and that we know a lot about how to reduce transmission without lockdowns, without school closures. And in fact, putting in place those policies that reduce transmission, but allow us to be around each other more safely can prevent us from needing more extreme measures like school closures. And so, you know, I think the most important things we can do right now are to rapidly deliver vaccines and boosters, especially to essential workers who have been most affected by the pandemic throughout, especially to people who are incarcerated and in shelter settings who are always going to be most affected and to kids in schools because schools are very efficient for spread. It's getting harder for kids in the Northeast to eat lunch outside. And so um, getting kids vaccinated quickly will be important and equitably throughout the pandemic. We've seen disparities in um, COVID mortality and severe disease. And now we see disparities in vaccines on top of that. And so we need to explicitly counter those disparities, make sure we communicate about vaccines in several languages and make sure we routinely deliver vaccines to the neighborhoods and workplaces where people are least likely to be vaccinated. And then the other thing I would recommend is is a data-driven mask policy that does reduce the harmful effects of a surge for everybody. I'm sorry to see what people in Vermont are going through and that it's so hard for everybody. You know, it's, it's hard for the policymakers. It's hard for families and parents. It's hard for people running small businesses. But I do think that if we come together around the most reasonable policies to address it, then hopefully we can get through it together and create a virtuous cycle that, that's better for everybody coming out of it. Got it. Well, thanks, Julia, again for your time. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. You too. Thanks, Julia. Bye. Stay tuned to vtdigger.org for full coverage of the special legislative session on local mask mandates. And find all of our COVID-19 coverage at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger Newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. See you then. <laughs>